good day, everybody. Welcome to the Lifetime Training Podcast. And I am very excited to bring you Ms. Gigi Pollock. And she is a PhD candidate in kinesiology and uh, health and human performance and a science advisor for the Institute of Motion or IOM. And her specialty in, in what she's going to be doing her thesis on is all around the trading considerations, the programming periodization around training females. And I am very excited to bring this information to you because you do not want to miss this stuff because sometimes we just think it's the same and you know we are equal, but we are a little bit different too. And, and so what do we need to know uh, to really hone in on making sure that your training program is right for the right time of the month and the right you know phase in their life? So thank you so much, Yuji, for coming on board. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to talk about this and get this information out. So absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I want to start because we, you know, you mentioned you were doing a, you know, initiative with the Women's Health Initiative and working with them or trying to work with them. Can you go into what you're doing there? Well, right now I'm putting together a proposal for a lifestyle intervention study. So um, what happens with a woman when she's going through perimenopause and menopause, there's a lot of weight gain. And when weight gain happens around the midsection, around the belly fat, um, there's a direct correlation to metabolic syndrome. So metabolic syndrome, meaning, you know, cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes. So what can we do around the stage of a woman's life to help mitigate that? And a lot of what happens during menopause and perimenopause, estrogen levels go down. And what estrogen does, it helps your um, called endothelial cells. So the, the cells that are inside your blood vessels operate and function properly. So the operation of that goes down. So a lot of digestive issues happen. Um, you know, um, the way your body responds to glucose is a little bit different, you know, the foods that you eat. Yeah. Um, so that's why um, this is so important to stay physically active. And a lot of women in their like 40s and 50s tend not to be physically active because life is busy. You know, they've yeah. got kids, they got work. And so, yeah, this is a study that I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully happen. Um, but with COVID, let's see what happens with it. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and, and the thing we want to really hone in and be specific around today is just, you know, if, if you're a general population, we call it periodization and periodization is just the different sets, reps, how you're manipulating the different variables over a course of a training session, a, a week, a month, a year, and so on and so forth. And we're really going to hone in on, you know, what does that need to look like and why should it look different based on the specific times of the month? So um, also talking about various different populations um, that you've kind of segmented uh, because different things are happening. Let's start there and go into, you know, how do you segment the different populations uh, before we start going into the programming for them. Okay. So first of all, you've got young girls who are maybe not going through puberty yet and they haven't gotten their menstrual cycle. So that's a little bit different because um, they're still developing. Um, then you've got the adolescents who eventually when they get their menstrual cycle, they're still learning how to deal with the symptoms that happen with a flood of hormones. So you've got that. And then you've got the population of the 20, 30 year olds, if they're um, having a natural menstrual cycle and they're normal, healthy, that's different. Um, oral contraception is completely different from the natural menstrual cycle. And then you've got a, a woman who is maybe uh, pregnant and going through postpartum. There are different considerations for that. And then you've got a woman who's going through perimenopause and menopause. So what's going on with their physiology is different. 
And then postmenopause, that's completely different as well. Yeah. So that's a huge segment and a woman's life cycle is just completely different. And yeah. training is, is going to be different because of the way their hormones are. Got it. Well, you know, when, when we say those things, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is that there's basically hormonal differences. I mean, if we really strip it down to the, the basics is there's that vast and huge amounts of, of difference in hormones that are happening throughout all of those different phases. Would you mind giving a general overview of, you know, what is happening during each one of those segments? Sure. Um, so a young girl who hasn't gotten her menstrual cycle yet is still, you know, doesn't have the flood of estrogen that happens for developmental issues, right? And then as a uh, young adolescent starts to get her menstrual cycle, then the flood of estrogen happens. And then the undulating cycles happen between estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. Mm -hmm. um, and then when a woman becomes pregnant, um, and going through postmenopause, the hormones are completely different. And it's also different if a woman is, um, you know, uh, you know, um, gosh, I'm blanking out, um, is breastfeeding. So that's going to be completely different. Um, and, you know, you hear about women going through a postpartum depression. Those hormones are just kind of trying to figure themselves back out, trying to find what's called homostasis. They're natural I want to say natural, normal levels, meaning that they undulate the way they're supposed to. Yeah. And then when a woman is going through perimenopause and postmenopause, estrogen levels start to decline and they still kind of do a little bit of undulation, right? They still go a little bit up and down. Um, and then when a woman is going through postmenopause, there is no estrogen. Um, with that being said, also testosterone levels also go down. Yeah. You know, just like men in their 50s and 60s, testosterone levels, you know, go down. Um, so that's really what happens to a woman um, in the various stages of a life. Yeah. And, you know, we we have a, a big population of trainers. Some might know this, some might know, and we have a general population. And, you know, specific to the estrogen and testosterone, would you just spend a little bit of time going into, you know, what those two things are there as it relates to the training side of it and why during certain times might you, because your estrogens are low, which ones and, and how that impacts, you know, the, the training, the volume, the intensity and all of that. Okay. So let's talk about testosterone. Men have 20 times the amount of testosterone as women and women are often afraid to lift weights because they're afraid to bulk up. But if you think about it, they're never bulk up as huge as a man because they don't have as much testosterone. Um, now testosterone is really necessary to build muscle, retain muscle, and it's also good for brain function. Um, so if you think about the way you train, it's, it's first a neuromuscular connection. So it helps your brain function properly to connect back to your brain. Um, men have 20 times more testosterone that peaks at the age of 17. Um, and then, um, it starts to kind of decline after the age of 35 for women. It goes up and down uh, during certain times of the month. If they are, well, it still goes up and down during certain times of the month. Um, oral contraception makes it a little bit different. Um, but during the normal menstrual cycle, it peaks in the middle of the cycle. So for instance, if you have a 28 day menstrual cycle, it'll peak around, you know, thir days 13 through, you know, 16. And that'll be different for every woman. Um, estrogen levels go up and down in a woman. 
um, during the natural normal menstrual cycle, it's divided into four uh, kind of phases. So the first day is when you have your period, it's, uh, it's called, you know, menstruation is day one to day 28, where there's, um, it's, it's your pre menstrual stage. So it's divided in about seven days, just to kind of keep it easy. So in the first seven days, estrogen is normally lower, progesterone is normally lower, uh, it starts to increase. So estrogen starts to increase also, and progesterone starts to increase, but estrogen increases at a more rapid rate than progesterone. <clears throat> and then it kind of peaks around the middle of the cycle. So again, around when testosterone peaks, estrogen also peaks. After that peaking level starts to decline, but estrogen uh, progesterone uh, starts to increase at a faster rate than estrogen. And that happens that ratio makes the body respond differently to your training. Um, and then the last you know, seven days prior to when you get a woman gets her period, estrogen levels are higher. And that's kind of when you want to be careful with your training, depending on how the woman responds to, um, you know, to progesterone also. Yeah. And, and, and again, for the bare bones out there, obviously a lot of people, some people know what testosterone does. If you just think it gets big or whatever the case may be, but it's a recovery issue. Right. And, and, and so would you mind just briefly spending a little time on what estrogen's role is with regards to recovery or, and then what testosterone is. So, so people understand intensities and volumes need to change. For sure. Uh, so let's talk about testosterone. Testosterone helps build muscle, helps you bigger, stronger, and faster, but also helps you recover. So it helps your muscles, you know, promote the satellite cells and helps build your muscle. So that'll, you know, there's a little bit of inflammation, testosterone helps mitigate that inflammation, and then you're able to rebuild muscle. Estrogen, um, men have estrogen as well. Mm -hmm. It's like one, one millionth of, you know, amount, but men need it um, to, for, for hair also and skin. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's a huge promoter of collagen. It helps the signaling of collagen. Women have a lot more. That's why our skin is softer, you know, and, uh, um, but it also helps you to, to shoes in your body. So your tendons, your ligaments, and your muscles, um, it helps with muscle repair. So when that estrogen levels are high and peaked, like during, you know, days 13 to 16, that's a great way to hit um, your workouts hard because you're able to recover. You said when estrogen is high or when testosterone yeah. is high? Well, both because they're going to okay. be high around the certain yeah. times, same okay. time. So that's a great time to kind of hit those workout hards, maybe, you know, do more like high intensity during that time because you're able, your body is able to handle that kind of stress a lot better and recover a lot better. Okay. Now, when those levels are low, now that's a time to kind of hit that. If you need to hit a hard workout, hit that hard workout, but have enough like recovery or do the right things, whether it's nutrition, whether it's massage, whether it's, you know, hot, cold therapy, or, you know, do the things that'll help promote more recovery during those times of the month. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, I'd love now to dive into, you know, and we can keep it to, you know, obviously exercise selection, we'll, we'll throw that particular thing out for right now, but okay. When you're looking at the different segments, let's call about a prepubescent, um, you know, with regards to volume and intensity uh, and rest, 
in frequency. Would you mind be able to, you know, give some recommendations for where those people should be staying within the ranges um, of sets, reps, tempo, you know, all those kinds of things? I'm sorry. Did you say pre-adolescence? Yeah, we'll start in the beginning and then we'll move on. We'll move on. Okay. All right. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, they're still developing um, around that time. Um, They're still coordination is still they're still learning their coordination then. So, um, you know, one thing you have to keep in mind is for that age group, especially for girls, um, you want to make sure that they're hitting enough intensity, but you're also being mindful of growth plates. So if you're doing kind of plyometrics, there's, you know, there's a amount of uh, plyometrics they can handle um, based on NSCA guidelines and other, and, and because of their physiology, right. And, and bone growth, uh, that's important, but also making sure they recover. And there's like, you know, 48 to 72 hours before they do any kind of intense plyometric work around that time. For, and, and, for, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and when you say that it, rough estimate age group, are you talking about right now? I, you know, I'm talking about like 10 to 13 year old, 10 to okay. 12 year olds, you know, 11, you know, around yeah. that age. You and, and so you're saying too, because of people, a lot of people ask this question is what is the right age at which you can start doing some form of training, strength training, resistance training, maybe it's just body weight recommended, you know, uh, throughout that. So you're saying that at 10 or an 11, there's things that we can do and, and probably should do. Um, and what are those things and what, what do you recommend? I mean, body weight training is great mm-hmm. um, because especially for that age group, promoting that strength and muscular strength of the age, uh, particularly for girls, because um, and I'm going to go ahead of this because osteoporosis is higher in women. It, it occurs at a 30 percent faster rate than guys. Um, if you look at the the rate, but there's a there's a there's an age right before a woman gets her menstrual cycle that your cells and your bones are really open to kind of more growth to promote, you know, more growth. So that's a great time to promote strength training because bones grow along the lines of stress, right? You don't want to stress it out so much that you're impacting the growth plates, but like body weight training bands are awesome for, for kids around that age. Um, you know, so those are the things I would do for kids that age. Got it. And, and if you have information here too, cause obviously, you know, the, the incidence of ACL injuries, let's say for females is, is a bit higher due to Q angle and different things like that. Would, can you go into some of that considerations and especially, you know, as a, as a younger, you know, soccer, you know, I, I always think soccer is, it's, a, it's oh, yeah, probably sure. one of the biggest ones for females uh, where ACLs happen. Um, and the reasons behind that, and again, that's a difference between male and female. I mean, males get it, but female, it's a lot more prevalent. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen in ACL injuries. Um, there's, of course, anatomical differences between men and women. But there's also, you know, as a girl starts to go through her hormonal cycles, um, if she's training during certain times of the month where the recovery isn't great and she's doing a lot of SAQ kind of drills, so uh, speed agility uh, drills during that time with a lot of um, intense cutting maneuvers, it could be that her the mechanisms and her and her muscles aren't um, are not at the right timing. There's a delay in um, kind of neuromuscular co- coordination during certain times when estrogen levels are low. So if you're doing that then. 
is some women say, I feel so clumsy around this time. You're like, I don't know why. Well, you're like, you know, I'm fuzzy headed. And it's could be because because your, um, you know, estrogen levels are low. And and it's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's but what you can do is like, well, maybe I'll just do more, you know, sagittal based stuff around that time. Um, But yeah, for soccer, definitely, there's a lot more sports injuries. And there's a lot of things that can happen around that time. So, you know, the lower estrogen levels, the neuromuscular coordination is lower because of lower estrogen levels. Inflammation is higher, right? So if you're doing a lot of intense kind of drills and you're not doing enough recovery things, yep. you know, around that time, then that could start the wear and tear at a, a young girl at a young age. Because I know girls in college who've had like three ACL you know, replacements, you know, sure. over and over around that time. Well, it, you know, and the the thing too is you know there's so often we see especially at a younger age i see all these speed agility quickness camps for boys and girls at a young age and yet it's all about the acceleration they're not learning about how to decelerate which is you can't accelerate without decelerating first um and you know so is there anything that you have with regards to you know uh, muscle imbalances for a female due to q angle uh and and for those that aren't you know, knowledgeable out there around Q angle, obviously it's a, a wider hip region, which causes kind of some, I guess, instability around certain areas more so on a female than a male, but any recommendations that you have on, sh- on things that should be strengthened, um, for a female, young female to help try to minimize, um, the, uh, you know, biomechanical differences in the body. Gosh, uh, strength wise, I mean, a lot of lateral drills would probably be helpful with that because, you know, we, we focus on sagittal, we focus on, you know, the quads and the, um, and the hamstrings, but a lot of lateral movements will really help strengthen that, you know, those, those SAQ drills, um, those cutting maneuvers, um, there, what happens also is that there's a delayed activation of muscle, um, which causes co-contraction, you know, sometimes. And so if you're doing SAQ drills and there's delayed activation patterns in certain muscle groups and the vastus and in your quads and your hamstrings, then, um, you know, you want to make sure you are training the things that support it. So doing a lot of lateral, um, things to help that will probably help, you know, more knee stability. Got it. Got it. Awesome. All right. And and then again, just to, to kind of close that one out in regards to uh, frequency per week and, you know, total, you know, sets, reps, different things like that. Anything that you could suggest for that age group? You know, for that age group, I think kids are so overtrained now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say. Yeah. And under recovered, so you know, that that's yeah, the hard part under- too, depending on what they're eating and, and the sleep and, you know, all that. For sure. They're not sleeping. They're staying up late playing video yeah. games. They, you know, you hate it. They're kids. And so they like their, you know, potato chips and they like their candy. Yeah. Um, they, they don't equate yet. And that, that could be a whole nother, you know, conversation for a podcast that is just how, what are ways that you can help under teach your kids to understand that food is fuel. It's not mm-hmm. always about tasting good. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, you know, uh, for, for recovery on that age, I think if you're going to sign up your kids for tons of camps and I'm guilty of it too, because, you know, it's like here, my kids go from swimming practice to water polo practice to, you know, to soccer practice, you know, in one time. Um, And they're, they're, they're 
overtrained and under recovered and they sit in front of the TV and then they're just snacking on, on those, on those things that are not good promoters of, you know, uh, recovery. I think, um, gosh, uh, that age group and it's hard to kind of put on the brakes yeah. as a parent because you want to keep your kids busy. Um, I think it's finding the right balance of activity for the kid so that they're not just always doing, you know, soccer, you know, and I've trained girls who only play volleyball and they play during the high school season and then they play club during the rest of the year. And you think about it, you're like, well, you know, what can you do to kind of promote more, um, variability in what yep. they're doing Got it. Um, is what I would be doing. If you, you know, it's, it's so, you know, I think back as my youngest one just turned 18, I think about yeah. what the things I've done for my kids and I've definitely overtrained them yeah. and under recovered them because as a parent, yeah. you want to keep them busy. Yeah. Um, but if you could find that right balance of activities for them. Yeah. And then. Well, and it's why a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of college coaches now are looking at, did you just play one sport or did you play multiple? But yet in the under the underlings, it's all about you only play baseball or you only play soccer. And that's the only thing you do. And it's just, you're, you're missing the point, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that's great. And, and again, you know, getting back to that, that initial question, it, and if you don't, that that's fine is, is there a volume and frequency? How many days per week, you know, should you be doing, you know, higher reps, sets, how much rest, anything that you can give as a specific for that age group? I think for that age group, they really need a lot more recovery. Uh, you know, do that 48 to 72 hour recovery for, for whatever, you know, um, activity you're doing. Um, volume wise, their kids, I know they can handle a lot more, but for sure you uh, want to make sure they're not overtrained in that particular sport Got it. Uh, that they're doing. Um, yeah. You know, but I'm not even saying sport. I'm saying like, if they're, if they are in addition to their sport, now you have them weight training or body weight training, let's call it. Um, should they stay under, you know, 40, 50 sets? Should they stay at, you know, high, you know, high amounts of reps don't go below certain rep ranges where it starts to become maximal, things like that. Yeah. I wouldn't go to maximal then, you know, yeah. around that age great for sure. I think more high repetition uh, range is kind of higher because what you're trying to do is build capacity mm-hmm. for, you know, for growing. Right. So you don't want a, a kid doing like a, you know, three, you know, rep max or one rep max around that yeah. age. You really want to build more capacity for, for the future. And at that age, they're still learning. The coordination is still happening to them, right? Um, so definitely keep things simple with body weight. Um, as far as, you know, even with body, if you look at gymnasts, I've worked, you know, with gymnasts and, you know, girls, I guess depend depends on your level. Mm-hmm. Um, girls who go to the elite level train, you know, 30 to 40 hours per week. Yeah. And then what happens is sometimes they don't get their menstrual cycle because they're overtrained, well, right? So, yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, that's this much of the population that gets to to that level. And I always say that, you know, through my years of training, I was more on the rehabilitative corrective side of it. And I always said that dancers and gymnasts were two of the most messed up people later in life because of how they just push past their boundaries 
at a young age. So they have the stability and the mobility at a young age, but then as they get older, they start to lose the stability and they still have the mobility. And next thing you know, that mobility is wreaking havoc on, you know, on their body and the aches and pains and injuries and, and so on and so forth. For sure. I mean, I, I, you know, um, high volume is what really happens with that. And and you're right. And, you know, I, I was just assisting a colleague on um, her study on dancers and gymnasts. Really? And overtraining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she's talking about rehab, you know, the exercises you can do. So she's putting together this protocol and I'm saying to her, were there any protocols for recovery? Like you could be doing, you could be doing the right exercises or right, you know, rehab exercises. But if that person is still under recovered, those muscular mechanisms to promote more, you know, uh, stronger bones and stronger tendons. If you're not letting that person recover all those exercises, you might just throw them out the window. And and a lot of people don't understand that you know, volume is the biggest, too much volume is the biggest reason for overtraining, overreaching, you know, and all the the above, and then turns into injuries. And, you know, one other thing, and then we'll, we'll move into the next segment is um, with regards, you, you mentioned coordination a couple of times. And, and, and for those people that are out there, I think, you know, um, there was a term called the biomotor abilities. Uh, I forget who founded that particular term. I don't know if it was Tudor Bampa or I think it may, it may have been. And he talks about the different, I call them fitness abilities. It, it makes a little bit more sense, but speed, strength, uh, coordination, balance, uh, agility, uh, flexibility, and you know all of those things power in it's funny because people don't understand. And, they, and it gets, I was guilty of it too, of not understanding the coordination issues that are happening through pre-puberty and then into puberty where they're just, you know, sometimes females grow a little bit quicker and their coordination is a little bit better than, than a younger male. And they have to understand that don't keep stressing this person if they don't have the coordination, because you're going to create injuries down the road mm-hmm. and focusing on all the different motor abilities, as opposed to just the, the, the speed and the quickness and the agility. Cause if you don't have coordination and flexibility and mobility, then you're not going to have that. Sure. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let's move into that second segment then, which is, you know, uh, what age group and and what's happening there. Okay. So at the adolescence, um, if you look at adolescent field, they're still learning about the hormones. Um, it's a lot of inflammation around that age because they're not getting enough sleep. Uh, they're eating, you know, a lot of junk food and a lot of fast foods that promote inflammation. And then they've got these hormonal cycles that are going up and down. Um, and it's different for girls because they get cramps, menstrual cramps, and that prevents them from, that's your, it's her, your body saying, you know, slow down. Let's not, um, let's not go too crazy. Um, and fortunately I've been, I'm a female when I've trained young girls, I'm like, got it, but here's what you're going to do. You're not going to do this SAQ drills. You're going to not going to do, you know, what's, but you're going to go for a good walk. You're going to go for a good swim. You're going to do the things that promote more anti-inflammatory substances in your body. And it's going to help with those cramps um, that that are happening. Um, And the girls that age, they're still learning coordination because they're growing, right? They've grown usually around that age. Once you get a girl gets repaired, they don't grow any taller, sadly. Um, That's pretty much tells you what your height's going to be. Um, So you're, um, you're, you're, you're still learning how to move maneuver those hormones um, and around that age. Um, Got it. 
And so then w- with regards to volume and intensity and different things like that, what, what do you recommend? I definitely recommend, and it's a, it's a tricky situation for a trainer. I would talk to their parents and let them know, hey, I need to know where they are in a menstrual cycle so I could program properly. Now, if you're working with a team of girls, that's hard to have like, yeah. you know, like 20 different <laughs> training cycles, but you know, maybe have a higher training and then kind of a lower training so that you can work with both kind of age groups. If they're not, you know, both, both, both types of, you know, um, where they are in our cycle. Um, I think, you know, when they're menstruating, there's high inflammation, uh, coordination is low, energy levels are low. I mean, I won't go into iron status because if you're a woman's bleeding, her iron status usually goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps with, you know, energy levels and recovery also. Um, so I would be have a lower training volume, start to increase the training around, you know, day seven to 14 um, and kind of do a progressive training overload. So think about somebody who's getting back into getting in shape, maybe a little bit higher, depending on that person's training level, mm-hmm. keep it get it intense around the middle of the cycle, Mm -hmm. start to have that woman learn or that young girl listen to her body. And this goes for the 20 and 30 year olds too. So we could just kind of lump some together, start to have that, um, that young girl or young, you know, woman um, listen to her body around days, you know, 21, you know, 14 to 21 and definitely days 21 to 28 in a 28 day cycle. Uh, start to taper down the training and start to promote more recovery type schemes. If you have to do an intense workout, do it at a relatively less intense level. You know, do you, you yeah. understand what I'm saying? It's, like, yeah. it's still intense, but for that person, it's intense for that time of the month. Yeah. You know? So do you have a recommendation though? Because obviously depending upon what type of activities or if maybe they have a triathlon or, you know, they're, they're performing their meat, you know, and, and it's a, state championship or whatever, you know, big game. And they're in certain periods, you know, uh, I should say times of their period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what recommend, is there supplementation? Is there, is there things that you know that you can give to the audience that says, Hey, there's going to be times, obviously this stuff is going to happen. What sure. can we do to combat that over a short period of time? Yep. So I've had women who like, I've taken women to triathlons and they're like, Oh, triathlon day, it's going to be day one or day two. Mm -hmm. So what you do before is you make sure their nutrition is dialed in less things that cause inflammatory, you know, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm a big promoter of things that are anti-inflammatory such as like ginger and, you know, um, um, you know, a lot of hydration, a lot of you know, plant-based things that promote uh, a lot of anti-inflammatory substances. Um, Also, you know, protein supplementation, and it could be plant-based protein versus, you know, like whey protein, but, you know, having a good amounts of protein around that time uh, real will help with your recovery and um, the way your muscles respond and fire time, Um, getting your sleep. So, so when you'd said things like reduced iron, obviously, or, you know, inflammation, do you recommend things like, you know, curcumin for inflammation or fish oil for inflammation, or even supplementing iron, um, different things like that, that can also help at least try to combat some of those negative effects that they have. I think for sure, like doing the supplements, like, you know, things that are kind of more homeopathic are great. 
Um, not, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not going to yeah, yeah, tell you. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like yeah, things like ginger, curcumin, yeah. uh, make, sure, make sure your hydrate, your, you know, hydration is intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you're not eating a lot of sugary foods. Make sure you're, you know, keeping the processed foods down around that time, getting your sleep. Um, if you're, if you know you're of low iron status, which is awesome for the new Apple watch, I'm not doing a plug-in, yeah. but you know, um, I know a lot of female athletes who have low iron status around that time of the month. Uh, if you know your iron levels are low, um, there's great iron supplements that are over the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called, and I'm going to say like, if you take a heavy duty iron supplement, it's going to cause constipation, but yeah. there are other iron supplements called slow release iron. That'll help, you know, slowly release throughout your body yep. uh, and it'll help you, you know, retain your iron status around Got that it. time. Got it. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's then move into, you know, the other category, which is, you know, maybe a big population of who trainers are working with right now or people that are listening to the show. And that's the people that are, you know, going through premenopause or or have gone through menopause. And would you mind just really breaking down the different weeks and what, what is happening and then what needs to be, you know, considered and, and any suggestions. Okay. So first of all, if a woman's have, you know, usually women around that time, they could be taking oral contraception and that's completely different. They're already getting exogenous estrogen and progesterone through that. And that's going to be completely different. Some women around this time, hormone replacement therapy is recommended when you're going before you go through menopause. So they say it's more effective if you take it like, you know, four, about three to four years prior to going through menopause uh, in that perimenopause stage. And that'll help your body respond to the cells and tissues respond appropriately. Now, some women are adverse to that, but there are things you can do in your training to to help that. So what happens during um, perimenopause and menopause is your estrogen levels start to fluctuate. If you're going through menopause, you your estrogen levels are really declining at a rapid rate. Uh, so you're not producing any more eggs, and then you may not be getting your per- at your period. So a good thing to do is for sure, um, have your training based to and I hate to say it anecdotal evidence to what you're feeling is really important around this time. If you're feeling I've trained, I train women um, going through menopause and perimenopause. And some days you go, God, I feel so weak. Well, don't push that girl to, you know what I mean? To do like their five rep maximum around that time. Maybe she's got to do a little bit of high rep and and lower, um, lower weight around that time. Um, But also do the right things for that woman to promote more recovery. So, you know, make sure she does her Epsom salt baths, make sure she is, you know, eating the right things, doing her fish oils, doing um, the things that, you know, having a lot of more uh, protein um, to kind of help that recovery state if you're going to do a certain kind Got of work. It. So is there anything that you can arm the trainers out there with? Because, you know, you do that a couple of times where it's about a feeling and then, there's other things that are impacting feelings, whether it's outside stress or, you know, not sleeping or mm-hmm. just not, you know, wanting to be there for the workout or whatever. Is, is there things that you can arm the trainer with that can help kind of sift through some of that to really identify, 
is it a menstrual thing or is it a hormonal thing versus it's a rest recoup and stress thing? You know, and it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario, Yeah. right? Your estrogen levels are low, so you're going to feel weaker. And when estrogen is low, it affects a woman's sleep. So uh, sleep and estrogen are highly linked. Lower levels of estrogen are linked to poor sleep quality. Mm. And then it's kind of like it becomes a domino effect. You're not sleeping. And, you know, um, so I think in arming the trainers is having a conversation and getting to know your client or where they are in their life. Uh, Maybe. And, you know, I hate to say it, lower levels of estrogen are also linked to depression. Um, and higher stress levels. So the way you're responding to, you know, the, the out in the, the inputs from your life um, can really affect your workouts. And sometimes that woman just doesn't need a heavy duty workout. You know, they need more kind of uh, recovery based type workouts, uh, more mobility based types of workouts, as opposed to like a, you know, something really hard, like a high intensity interval training type of workout. So really getting to know your client, uh, what's going on in their life, um, you know, why they're not sleeping. Um, and then you could figure out what the right workout is for that person do- during that week. Because this week is great. Yeah. And then next week could be like a horrible week. But I think if you if you look at your trainers, you want to arm them to be able to, you know, not have their client throw in the towel. Just because they're having a bad week doesn't mean that the next week is going to be the same, right? Yeah. So if you have your trainers learn that for women to stage, there's so much going on, have them know that, you know, they don't have to throw another towel, like, you know, ditch to work out. Yeah. You could still do something for them that'll make them feel good. Like they could still feel like a million bucks, um, even if they're having a bad day or a stressful day, because as long as you promote the type of work, the right type of workout for that client, they're going to feel like a million bucks. They're going to want to keep coming back to see you. If a woman is having a horrible day and you beat them down a workout and they feel worse, then no chances are they're not going to want to come back, you know? So you you remember the emotional events more so than anything else, right? Yeah, for sure. For (laughs) sure. So, so, (laughs) so to really strip it down, I, I, you know, what I would love to try to do here is, is say, okay, week of the period, you know, they've got their period. Mm-hmm. What is it? High volume, low intensity. What are the recommendations for that particular week? And then I'd like to go then the, the next four weeks and just kind of make a general recommendation around volume and intensity within regard to each week of the month. Okay. So let's start with the week that they have their period. What what should happen? Okay. So in it, every, let me just start with every woman experiences differently. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, like day one, you know, there's menstrual bleeding. It's normally your, your body is stressed out. You're Mm -hmm. bleeding out of your body. Um, Most women feel weak because, you know, it depends on the bleeding. Some women bleed heavily, some women bleed, you know, very lightly. Um, So the heavier the bleeding, the more stressed out they are. I would do things that promote more recovery um, and more anti-inflammatory types of things. Um, You know, walking, swimming, um, people overlook walking as as a like, physical activity, but you can yeah. get a good walk in and good physical yeah. activity. What about any equipment, like um, maybe some use of like a vibration platform, you know, a power plate or things like that? Is that something that is too you think could fit into that part sure. of the of the of the month 
as well. For sure. There's a lot of studies that show that vibration, vibration therapy is, uh, is a huge promoter of kind of recovery. Mm -hmm. So you could do more, um, maybe lower intensity weight training type with vibration therapy for a woman. Uh, bands are awesome during that time and body weight type of resistance exercise are awesome during that time also. All right. Um, So now let's move into week two, you know, mm -hmm. uh, post where does, is that where you really want to pump up the intensity or where does it go from there? You start to, you know, progress a training overload. Yeah. Uh, and then have a woman listen to her body. Some women feel, start to feel really good around days, you know, right before day seven. Um, so you could start ramping it up if that person is feeling good. Um, yeah. And still, still, still think, look at re recovery strategies for sure around yeah. that time. Well, that's a given, right? I mean, it, oh, yeah. it's a given that, you know, your workout is only as good as your recovery. So, you know, for all sure. things said, we need to make sure we're either increasing recovery strategies or mm -hmm. at least keeping them at a, at a moderate place. Mm -hmm, for okay. sure. So then again, moving into week three now, where again, we continue to ramp and then, yep, okay. Sure. And, then, would... and then the week before the period is that's really where you should have your highest intensities or no, for no. sure. Your highest yeah. intensity should be around the middle of it. Middle. So it's, like, okay. it's between week two and week three, really, because okay. days 14, days 14 kind of fall into that week two, week three. It's strange the way that, you know, it's, it's delineated into you know, the, the four phases, but weeks it's between weeks two and weeks three that you can actually ramp up. Um, and you know, for some girls that I've trained is you don't, you know, there aren't many rest days in between. So you can do like, you know, four days and lump some of that in during those four Got days. It. And then during then maybe have that one recovery. Got it. One recovery day. Mm -hmm, okay. For sure. Um, so then the final thing is, you know, we, we touched on it, but I think we need to go a little bit deeper before we kind of, you know, end and, and kind of figure out where we're going to go next. But it, at the end of the day, the, the menopause, now people that are in menopause, what are the big, you know, handful of considerations that we need to be able to, to work on things that we should be focusing on with that particular person, you know, maybe different from the other groups. Okay. So, you know, estrogen levels are really low. So recovery takes a lot longer. Um, a woman really needs to listen to her body during that time. And the, you know, what's interesting about, you know, we think, we think about you're going to do 30 seconds of work worth of work. It's a one-to-one -one ratio, you know, for something you want to do, like for, for a his type of thing, or it's a one, you know, for hit is usually, you know, more than a two to one ratio. And, and real quick, cause I know what you mean by when you say his, but some people might not. So just really quickly go into, you know, what that is. Um, so HIST is different from HIT. So high intensity steady state means you're promoting a lot of, um, you know, you're, you're, it's very intense for a long, for, for a long period of time. Whereas HIT, you undulate the rest and recovery. So yeah. you're maybe doing 30 seconds of work and then yeah. you're doing, you know, a minute to two minutes worth of rest. Yeah. Of and and I, I heard it, you know, I've, I've had a couple of guests on that were talking about, um, they call it sit, but speed, you know, sprint interval. So really HIT and sprint are almost synonymous in this particular, I think, uh, something that you, you're not going to run a hundred meters full bore for more than 10, 15 seconds. Well, if you're 
an Olympic athlete, 10 seconds, but probably yeah. 15 to 20 seconds, let's say, and, yeah, and yeah. you're done uh, where, you know, what you're saying is a hiss is what is very popular right now with regards to classes like most, you know, uh, classes out there, you know, your F45s or your, your orange theories mm-hmm. or with us, it's GTX. Um, yeah. But things like that, where you're maintaining a, a relatively high intensity over time because you can versus sprint or hit in your case is you are all out and you're going to need that rest before you lock up. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Okay. Um, so, um, for a woman that, you know, in, in postmenopause or menopause, uh, you really want to promote a lot of recovery. So your rest to works scheme might is going to be different for a woman that age because she might need a lot more rest to recover in those types of sessions in your in your hit type sessions to hit sprint mm-hmm. and also in your hiss uh, types, you know, so yeah. that's something to keep in mind for one who's going through menopause. So their frequency might need to be a little less is mm-hmm. what yep, you're saying sure. per week. So instead of maybe working out for five days a week might drop to three days a week, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. you know, and then doing other activities at different intensities that can help recover. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Maybe low intensity well, steady state type stuff. That's awesome. Well, this is great. Anything else that we didn't hit on, you know, that you feel is pertinent to the to the conversation? You know, I think it's really just getting to know your clients is what I really want to promote your female clients in general. Um, and that's a sticky situation, right? A, a male to female client. But yeah. if you have a good set of open communication with your female client, if you're a male, um, then I think that's going to really take you to a different level and, and responsibly training for that woman's just health and, you know, longevity, because you yeah. want them to stay with you for a long time. I, I think it's easy to, you know, not, again, maybe not easy, but having a consistent daily readiness questionnaire or something that becomes part uh, as a trainer, part of your, what you do, whether it's male or female, obviously could change questions could change slightly with female and letting them know, setting the expectation, Hey, before every session, I'm going to go through these quick questions to be able to make sure that the workout that we have for you is right for you today. Um, cause I can adjust on, on the fly. Um, does I, I know IOM is fantastic. Some of the best education out there. Is there something that they, that you guys have uh, regards to a daily readiness um, or a movement readiness that you guys use, or is that something that's not there yet? No, we have something, a, a movement readiness questionnaire that we yeah. do have in our um, education curriculum. So, you know, we have our um, level one advanced health and human performance type of um, course. Yeah. So that, that gets you ready to learning how to program. And then we have the advanced health and human performance level two that helps you with recovery schemes. And, you know, it teaches you the four Q of metabolic conditioning. Yeah. And then, then we'll have our level three, which will take you into special populations. So thinking about how to train for a woman, mm-hmm. uh, think about how to train for a person with, you know, type two diabetes, because that's completely different in their right. muscular mechanisms. Uh, teach you about a person with osteoarthritis. What's the best way to, you know, to, yeah. to work with a person like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. I, I can't thank you enough for being on and sharing the information. And I know you've got some big things you're working on between your PhD and some course content curriculum. And, you know, please, when we 
that stuff launches or when it's out there, we'll, we'll add it into the show and maybe have you back on. So I, I thank you a, a ton. Uh, tell Michelle, I said hello. Um, and if those that out there, if, if you don't know what IOM is, please go check it out. It's some of the best education that's out there right now uh, really can change your game and, and, you know, change your client's experience. So sure. thank you. So right. well, much. Thanks. thanks for having me. All right. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks.